Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining us here on Off the Couch on the Blister Podcast Network. I'm Matt Mitchell, the running editor at Blister, and you can check out everything we're doing and reviewing over at blisterreview.com. Okay, so I sat down with Drew Kelly, the man with the best turn in Crested Butte, to chat about how he approaches trail running from a ski perspective and how those two sports might complement one another. And along the way, Drew and I kind of ended up interviewing each other. We got into things like our individual running styles, what kind of gear we take on an all-day mountain adventure, the merits of gas station burritos, and a bunch of other out-there topics. And as you'll learn from this episode, Drew and I both almost always point ourselves in the direction of a climb, if given the choice. So we recently published an introduction to uphill running techniques as part of our Trail Running 101 series over on the site. So make sure to check that out. And I also just want to say that if you're enjoying listening to the conversations I've been having on the show and find yourself wanting to get more into trail running, I'd highly encourage you to sign up to be a Blister member. So you can send us an email and get my personal recommendations to help you find the right pair of running shoes. Check out the link in the show notes for more info on that, as well as all the other benefits becoming a Blister member gets you. So with that, let's get right into my conversation with Drew Kelly. Drew, welcome to the show. Thank you. Good to talk to you. Good to be here. Yeah, I thought it'd be a good idea to have you on uh, this time of year because I feel like in some ways you're a good representative of at least like part of our listenership, which are namely like avid skiers that want to do some trail running in the off season. So I kind of wanted to get a sense of how you got into trail running and maybe some of the like early stumbling blocks you ran into and what skills translate um, from that that sport. You do a ton of work for Blister, both on the run and ski side, and you've started reviewing some shoes for us too, which uh, I'm appreciative of because I only have uh, two feet at the end of the day. Um, <laughs> so for those that are kind of unfamiliar with you though, uh, can you give us a little bit of background on yourself? I grew up in the Northeast area, the New England area, and I was mainly a skier growing up. And running was kind of always something I did on the side. My dad was a runner, a cross country runner in college. And um, yeah, I ran some cross country in high school. And a lot of my ski training, I, I did a lot of alpine like ski racing stuff. And a lot of that cross training was uh, like mountain running and cross country stuff and like speed interval workouts on the track. And so just over the years, my I've just gotten more and more into running, especially as I've moved to Colorado. And yeah, but you've kind of used it to like supplement your ski training. In the past, that was true, and as the years have gone on, it's more and more become not something I think of as a supplement, but as as just something I enjoy doing. And um, yeah, I'm definitely much more in the know about skiing than like or experience wise. I have a lot more skiing than running, but yeah, I try to run. You know, like five days a week nowadays. What are some of the ways that like running benefits your skiing, and then we can kind of go vice versa from there. Running benefits my skiing most basically from just a fitness level. Um, you know, <laughs> that's that's a great way to, to keep myself from being injured, I think. Um, 
but I think it also just helps me in this, in a mentality sense, like, um, spending long days on my feet in the mountains. Um, but also, you know, there's some skills that like specifically, I, I actually think translate like a lot of downhill running, um, for me involves looking ahead and, you know, there's all sorts of, uh, skills and, and skiing, but I think, I think the agility, and sort of like seeing your line, especially through a really techie downhill in the mountains, I think is one of the most direct translations. And when I find that I'm skiing, uh, poorly, it's, there's a couple things there that are the, there are a couple things that I look to first and it's either my hand position or, um, how far I'm looking ahead, especially like when skiing moguls and just that anticipation. And it also like relaxes your body. And so, yeah, in, in that small way, I think running is, is a good way to keep those, uh, instincts sharp in the summer. And so since running has become more of like, less of like of a supplement and more of a go-to activity for you, what ways do you see skiing, uh, benefiting, um, that sport? I, I think it goes the same way. Almost it's, it's, uh, fitness. Um, but it's also just this thing that's been built to me over the years of just like enjoying just pure sensation of moving and moving fast through terrain is something that I've really like in skiing. That was, that's a big reason why like that sensation of sliding, I think is, is really unique and running nearly mimics that for me. And so, yeah, I, I just, that's, I guess that gets in a little bit of what drives me too, but yeah. So I, I take it you uh, aren't a huge fan of of flat runs. <laughs> no, I. Oh man, like yeah, real runners will like snicker at me for this, but like I running five miles on pavement to me uh, sounds like hell, and and has been hell. Let me be clear, like that for me, I think would take would in my mind take days, when in reality, you know, five miles might take. I don't know, less than an hour on, on pavement, but for some reason I could not motivate myself to do that, um, growing up and still really can't. And I, I don't really think I ever run on, on the road anymore besides just as an accessory to another longer run. Yeah. So you mentioned that you run like five days a week. Is that year round? That is not year round. Uh, I'm kind of, running probably may to october november ish in the winter i don't really run i just i just ski and ski tour part of it i think comes down to like that that like growing trend of like schemo people will also like cross train run to help just prevent overuse injuries and and prevent burnout and all that and i'm not a schemo guy but i it, it helps me in the same way. Yeah, I have a lot of friends that are ultra runners, but they kind of came to the sport through like Nordic skiing. Yeah. Um, and what they've told me is that the training for that is just so like volume intensive, especially in the summer that they'll go out and run like 20 to 30 miles at a time at a very like slow pace, um, which is like, yeah, <laughs> a sport now. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> So there's like a, a really good like translation there. Yeah, which is pretty cool. But uh, do you have any aspirations to to uh, get into schema? 
Oh man, this is a controversial topic. Uh, I come from like the the polar opposite of you know the ski mode uh, subgenre of skiing, whatever you want to call it, discipline. Um, and schema to me is so numbers focused that I I'm I'm still not super interested in it. Like I would actually enjoy doing and do enjoy doing a lot of the stuff that a lot of people do on schema equipment, just with like regular touring equipment at a slower pace. But I just find that like, for me personally, numbers times is a really reductive way of, of experiencing the outdoors. Like I can totally appreciate this as like setting goals for yourself and working towards those. But um, when I'm outside, I just like numbers don't get me motivated at all, basically. And, and I haven't seen really a schema application where, um, how much vert or how fast you went wasn't a big part of it. So, you know, I really like adventure touring, which would be on some people do it on kind of like crossover schema or, or small touring gear where you're just going out, walking around in the mountains for, all day, multiple days and kind of not doing super crazy technical descents, but you're just going for distance and you're going for a walk about in the woods covered in snow. Um, that I enjoy, but I think, um, I don't anticipate myself going full, full ski, schemo nerd anytime soon. I have a friend who I won't throw him under the bus by saying his name, but he says schemo is neither nor meaning it's neither skiing nor mountaineering. Um, yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Well, let's pause on that, that whole kind of like numbers game for a sec. Uh, Cause I do think that like, yeah, that kind of stance applies similarly to running and trail running. Um, I had Alex Nichols on the podcast last week and he is going into a second year as the head cross country coach at Colorado college. I think, I believe your alma mater too. Yes. So, you know, by extension, does that make me cooler? If I have cool people like Anton Kuprichka and Alex Nichols as graduates, I'll take it. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, he was saying, I asked him about like the, uh, like recruiting process and I was like, Oh, like you must be on the road a ton, like visiting all these like colleges watching or high schools watching athletes run. And he's like, not really like you just have to look at their times. Right. Cause like, yeah, especially like track, and cross country it's all like so standardized that like you don't even have to see someone run to know like their fitness whereas in trail running like numbers can be deceptive like absolutely a 10 mile run can be can take you like an hour and 10 minutes or it could take you three hours depending on like the vertical relief so i think that's why i'm also like drawn to trail too is because like it is less standardized and it's more experiential and isn't really susceptible to be like reduced down to like a statistic. Yeah. Yeah. The, the vertical relief, the, the nature of the surfaces that you're running on, what you're, what you've decided to carry all, all of those things. How you're feeling that day, obviously. Yeah. I mean, like, I don't know if you watched the recent, like golden trail world series. I think it was the next most recent one, but that Strando race where it was like they're running down a scree field and it's like all yeah. foggy and misty and like not huge mileage, but like pretty slow going and 
that that is the type of stuff that appeals to me a lot. Yeah. So what are some of your favorite kind of runs? Uh, you live in Crested Butte, right? Yeah. Gunnison. Yep. Crested Butte. And um, I typically gravitate towards off trail stuff or just long single track in the mountains. Um, lots of vert, you know, during the week when we're working, I usually go down to Hardman rocks, which is like mostly biking trail stuff and ATV stuff and dirt bike stuff. And that's definitely harder for me to motivate because that feels like work to me and it is work. And I, I love my job to be clear, but, uh, yeah, stuff that I like is is just the the jungle gym of like bushwhacking through woods that you can't actually run through and hopping over logs and stuff and paying really specific attention to all your foot placements and um I I love really rugged downhill running as well. Um you know, there's a lot of power hiking in the, in the running that I do at some, at some points when you get into the mountains. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Also there's, I kind of, if there is one statistic that I kind of obsess over a little bit, it's, um, elevation gain. I just like, you know, I don't really feel like I put in a good effort if I've gone for like a 10 mile run and there's like only a thousand feet of gain. Like I want to, I want to gain a lot of, a lot of vert. Yeah, I, I think uh, in some respects, I'm the same way. It's just so satisfying to know that you like went up and down something for whatever reason. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's it's proof that you were up high. Skiing is definitely one of the more intensive sports when it comes to gear versus running. You know, the saying is that like all you need is a pair of shoes to run. Are you attracted to that kind of like minimalism? I, yeah, you know, I am. And and I just got done saying in skiing that like, I'm kind of the opposite in a lot of ways. Um, you know, being not anti schemo, but like my gear selection being kind of very different from schemo stuff. Um, but in running, there's something really nice about just going out and like not bringing a running vests, uh, not bringing a phone, throwing on some shorts and shoes that just like is it, you just feel so lightweight and freed and it's a great way to, it's a great way to replenish yourself, rejuvenate yourself after a day of work or something. But at the same time, yeah, I mean, you can't really get away with that a lot of times in like more mountain running settings. And, um, a lot of times it does not really feel that simple for me, you know, going, going for a long mountain run. Cause you do have to be prepared. And, um, I don't know. It's nice that I know usually what running pack I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring. And I don't have so many shoes that I have to like, you know, puzzle my way through which one I'm going to choose. But, uh, it doesn't, it doesn't really feel that, that straightforward to me, but uh, I guess, to answer your question, the simplicity attracts me. Is that what the, it is in reality? No, I don't think so for me. Yeah. I mean, I think that is largely the fault of, of like <laughs> media, you know, like you see all these images of someone you mentioned earlier, like Anton running like, you know, uh, at Western States with just like little, mm-hmm. little two inch split shorts and like maybe a water bottle. But I think in practice, there is more logistics involved but at the same time like 
I don't know. I, I've been getting more into mountain biking and gravel riding recently. And one of the things I kind of always worry about is being like marooned if my bike breaks down and I, I don't exactly know how to fix it. Yeah. You know, I kind of need to bail. Yeah. Whereas I never really have that concern when I'm out running. I guess like when I'm out running, it's like, I hope I don't, you know, break my foot or something like that. Yeah. Um, which is like probably less likely than snapping a chain. Mm-hmm. What is your solution if you break your foot? Do you bring poles with you or do you bring a med kit at all? Or are you just going to hobble out? Yeah. I mean, I think it's all like based on context, right? Like if I'm running around my house, yeah, I'll just call someone or something. But if I'm out in the backcountry, uh, I've, I feel like a past version of myself wouldn't have like thought myself susceptible to something like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, just being like young and young and ignorant. I've now started carrying like an inReach and stuff like that. And I took a wilderness first responder course in college and that set me up with like how to make a plan when you're going outside for long periods of time and like having an emergency contact who will contact like someone to go rescue you if you're not back by a deadline. Um, so I guess that's kind of how I go about it now. Um, just like meticulous planning. I had a friend this weekend who broke her foot, uh, halfway into like a 30 mile run and she was with somebody. And for some reason they decided one of them was going to continue on. And so she, uh, hobbled back. And so she had a, 15 mile day on a broken foot and you know, 15 miles of running on two good feet and she that's just like crawled brutal. back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. See like, that's another thing too. Like I seldom go on long mountain adventures by myself. Um, I think like aesthetically, I like the idea of just spending an entire day outside alone just to kind of, I don't know, ruminate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, totally. but in practice, sharing that experience with someone tends to tends to be a little bit more rewarding and also just safer yeah i agree with you i i do a lot of running by myself and a lot of times i think it just becomes me being a total head case you know just listening to my own thoughts and it's like yeah i've heard these thoughts for now 32 years like i would like to have some company with somebody else who doesn't think about things the same way as i do so yeah yeah have you ever kind of got yourself into some like hairy situations out there by yourself? Yeah, pretty much every time I go, I get myself into a hairy situation. Um, because I think I tend to overthink things. And if I am overthinking the run I'm going to do before I, I even leave my house, chances are I'm not going to go on that run. So like if I've had the thought, if it's come in my head, that's it. It's happening. Otherwise, you know, I can't, I can't give myself the option of thinking about it. And so the result of that (laughs) is that I often just like bite off things that are pretty bigger than I can chew. You know, I go for like uh, higher grade scrambling or longer runs and I, you know, I haven't properly hydrated or eaten or, or, or planned totally the route or considered the weather. And so, yeah, I'd say pre- pretty regularly I get myself into hairy situations and uh, I've just kind of accepted, I guess, that that's part of it. Um, yeah. Do you think that's like intentional? Um, I have some other friends that ski 
do a lot of downhill skiing. And maybe I'm wrong here, but I think they need to like replicate that sense of like adrenaline and like danger in running, which is like kind of harder to do. So they end up just like, yeah, biting off more than they can chew. Mm, that is a good question, whether it's intentional. Uh, there is a part of running, and I guess I didn't talk about this before. There is a part of running that is mental training, which I think is a huge component of skiing for me too. And so just like dealing with adversity, um, dealing with your own psychology, um, sharpening that, um, paying more attention to it. Uh, so yeah, maybe it is intentional. I, <laughs> I should consider that the next time and wonder if I'm actually imposing that what I'm about to do on myself intentionally or not, because, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have uh, a relationship to running. That's kind of like that. Like I will, knowingly like forego water stops even though i know it's like a good idea to stop and Mm -hmm. like refill Mm -hmm. just to feel like slightly more miserable Mm -hmm. or i'll like you know (laughs) the classic scenario where uh you've been running a lot and you feel like a little pain in your in your ankle or something like that and instead of like taking like a a two-week break or even like a a few days off i'll go out and like test it be like does it still hurt still hurts matt like (laughs) what about now you know like i'll go rip a workout and be like all right well like if i got through that workout and everything like held together like can't be that injured Mm -hmm. um so i I wonder how much of like running especially trail running and like ultra running is just like tinged with like masochism you know yeah are you an angry runner matt (laughs) no i think to be frank like sometimes i feel like running like has a hold on me to where it's like if I don't get out the door and run, I'll just be like miserable all day. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's like a healthy relationship. But uh, at the same time, it's allowed me to like get really, really fit because I am kind of beholden to doing it every day. Um, I'm definitely not one of those runners that struggles with motivation. Like, in fact, I at one point was working with a coach and her main job was essentially just to like hold me back. You know, like she was like, you can't like you're not running today, like take a rest day. Um, And I think a lot of runners struggle with that, especially when you get into like ultra distances where it's like, you know, back to the numbers game. Like, I just want more volume. I want to run more miles. Like I see all these people on like websites like, you know, Strava or whatever putting in 150 mile weeks and you like hear about like Anton running like 200 mile weeks. And you think like that's the only way to like get better at running, um, which is like counterintuitive. Uh, but yeah, like my coach gave me a heart rate monitor and was like, if you go above like this certain threshold, like I will be angry with you, you know. <laughs> what about you? Uh, my motivations for running. Um, for me, it's something that a lot of times keeps me happy. You know, if I don't go running, um yeah, I just find myself just sinking into this, uh, not to get, not to get too heavy, but I just find myself sinking into this routine of like stuck in my house, not very social. I'll just, I'll probably just work all day or, or yeah, it's, it's something that just kind of opens up my mind a little bit, not in like a, not in like a expand my mind sort of way, but it just like, sort of like allows me to shed kind of the weight of a day. And, um, I, I, I think would be in the same situation as you as being almost 
addicted or, or like super motivated to just like need to get more miles and vert in or something like that. But I pretty actively try and stay away from like looking at what other people have done. And I think that helps me a lot in like keeping my running for me about me, like, um, at, at points in the past, like there are, there are a lot of really amazing runners here in Crested Butte. Um, and at certain points in the past, I've found myself comparing, uh, myself to them on similar runs that we've done. And I just literally, like, I felt like I was like, running with them on my back the entire time. Like I was just thinking about their pace and, you know, picturing, picturing them running and like where they were now versus where I was. And it just like totally detracted from my experience. And so I've, I've had to work pretty hard to like actively not, uh, not compare myself to other runners or look at their times or their mileage, et cetera. And yeah. And then the other thing with motivation too, is like we were talking about before having people to go with, like if, if I had seven people to go with seven days a week, I'd be running seven days a week and I'd probably be working super early in the morning and late into the night. But I actually don't know that many runners here. So that helps too. Cause you know, I can only handle myself for so much, uh, for so many miles. <laughs> Do you run with a GPS watch? Nope. Nope. Sometimes like in the mountains, I'll, I'll, I'll turn on like a, like a, guy as the app I use for vert and mileage, but I don't, I, I don't use Strava. Yeah. Some, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll calculate my miles after the fact, but I really, and this is like, I feel like not, not a runner in the sense that like, I don't care about my mileage pace really at all. Yeah. Vert is the only thing that I kind of nerd out about a little bit. Yeah. I look at like great adjusted pace sometimes which can be helpful. But again, it's yep. like, it doesn't tell the whole story because you don't know whether you're on or off trail or something like that. Exactly. Um, yeah. But uh, another question I had for you was about um, whether or not you thought that like running like seasonally and not year round, like what, what does that do for you? I should say, like, does it keep running fresh? Would you like ever consider trying to run year round? Um, if you could, if I could, if I could, I would. I just have never really had that opportunity almost like the the trails are snowed in, you know, and this goes back to this thing is like I am I am such a, a wimp when it comes to running. Like I can't bring myself to like bang it out on the road, you know, um, and I just don't even have that opportunity. I'm so like hyper focused on skiing and, and training for skiing in the winter. Um, but I do find myself, uh, as the ski season wears on, I find myself really like yearning to go running. And sometimes, sometimes I'll go to Moab, which is pretty close to me in, in the winter and go for some nice slick rock runs there. Um, just to keep it fresh and, um, it's, it's good to have a balance. It, keep, it does keep everything fresh and, uh, throughout the year. Are you balanced in other areas of your life? Am I balanced in other areas of my life? I don't know. I like to do a lot of different things to keep it easy, uh, to keep <laughs> me from getting so like hyper-focused on one thing. You know, I don't know. I feel like 
I don't know how you feel about this, but like sometimes if you get so hyper-focused on something, you get tunnel vision and you can't see it for what it is or see it from an outside perspective anymore. And I think that that can start to be actually pretty detrimental to your success in that activity. Yeah. And I also think that, you know, participating in a bunch of different activity activities end up like complementing one another, right? Yeah. They can inform your experience and each other. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Let's go back to gear for a sec. What is your kind of like current gear setup for, let's say like an all day run in the mountains? All day run in the mountains. Um, I am pretty much always rocking the Solomon Advanced Gen 12 uh, vest. I think for me, that vest just most importantly carries really well and is really comfortable. Um, more so than a lot of the other vests that I've tried, um, or packs or belts or whatever, all this stuff that I've tried. Um, so I've had that for a while and, um, it's durable. I like the pocket layout. Um, I don't notice it when I'm running really. Um, I'll bring a water filter and I'm still working on water filtration, uh, like the best way to do it. And I've been thinking about this a lot, but there's a lot of mining or old mining that has happened in, in here in Crested Butte in Colorado. And so like, while a really nice, like catadine water, like, uh, filter, soft glass bottle filters out all the bacteria that's here in our water, like I don't know what mining runoff is coming through those streams. And I don't know if there's anything that I can do about that with any type of filter. I don't know. Like what is you, you're running in the mountains in the Sierras. Is that the case there as well? Or is it less? Generally, generally the runs that I go on are like above all the mines and stuff. So I'll even, I don't know, maybe this is bad advice, but I will like seldom filter my water in the Sierra if I'm like above 10,000 feet because I know it's mostly just like snow melt. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's a good question. I don't know. I have to imagine that someone has thought of that. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, like otherwise like people would be like, yeah, I got like lead poisoning from drinking water from like an old mine. Yeah, I don't know. I mean... I know a lot of those mines are sort of closed up clean. I don't, I don't know how it works. I don't, I mean, I guess there's not, it's not like you're seeing like that water come down and, and there's like all sorts of weird stuff going on in that little like water drainage or anything. And ultimately those all filter through into like our drinking water. So maybe it's not as bad as it. Yeah. I don't know. Like maybe, maybe getting some like good tungsten in your water could benefit your uh your vo2 max or something. <laughs> yeah <laughs> all right well i'm gonna start uh, go drinking from puddles at the base of mines and see what happens yeah uh one thing i wanted to ask you about was like what were some of like the first experiences that you can remember that like made you fall in love with like trail running that is a Do good any come to question mind? oh man i think I think um, when I, I used to live in the Aspen area and there was this run that uh, was only a mile and a half long, but you gained 3,000 feet of elevation in that mile and a half. 
And, you know, I was living in Aspen. I was pretty young. So let's just say it. I was partying a lot. And I just used that run like every morning after I partied as like a hangover cure. And I mean, that's pretty masochistic, I guess, looking back at it, but it was really effective. And it just like made me capable of not wasting my day, you know, being hungover. And I don't know, that was like, in a way, it was like kind of the town walk, like everyone would go like walk it. So you'd see like families with dogs and like, you know, this whole range of society is there. And I'm just like, they're like sweating out booze and, and, and huffing and puffing to the top. And the top gets you to this nice little like rock promontory overlooking Aspen. Um, and I have fond memories of that for some reason. And then, and then the other one that I've actually come to think of is when I went to CC to Colorado college in the Springs, um, you've got the incline there, which is this famous like railroad tie. Uh, like, I don't know how much gain there is, but it's straight up the mountain. It's like a mile long. There's a bunch of like Solomon TV running episodes on it, you know, and like, it is famous people like big runners take a crack at, at, um, you know, putting the record on the incline. Um, and we used to do that in college. And then, um, the, you can, to go down, you can run down the incline or you can take the bar trail, which is the standard route up Pikes Peak, this 14er, um, that the incline is kind of goes through the foothills of, and the bar trail is like a steep hiking trail. And we used to just run down that in college and it's, there's a lot of berms. It's almost mountain bike, single track feeling. And we were just like college aged nerds, you know, we'd like (laughs) be doing these like, you know, like self-aware, but like doing like tricks, quote unquote, off the rocks and stuff. And just like, you know, like kind of teasing each other about that and making all sorts of weird sound effects. And it was like not anything about performance. It was just about like slamming the hell out of your knees, no technique. A lot of times you probably weren't wearing the appropriate shoes at all, but it was, it was, uh, it was really fun because it was just kind of irreverent. What was college drew like? (laughs) Probably not someone I would want to hang out with these days. That's how I feel about myself. Like in high school, that kid sucked. Yeah. 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 I I think, uh, some of my time these days is, is just, um, making sure that I'm not the same person or that I've improved on the person that I was in college. But, um, yeah, I was, I was pretty aware of how to have a good time. Um, would you study at CC? I studied filmmaking and music. Cool. What are some of your favorite like musicians? Oh man, um, that's a hard question. Uh, who am I listening to right now? A lot. That's a better question. Yeah. <laughs> it's just easier for me to ask. I don't know if it's or answer. I don't know if it's a better question. Uh, you know, I studied jazz in college, but I've been listening to a lot of Tool right now, um, which is a metal band. And but they're like kind of a lot of a lot of metal musicians have this like pretty unexpected background of like being really into like you know like Afro Cuban music or jazz or classical music and. Uh, Tool is all of that and more, and uh, yeah. <laughs> so if you want to like a lot of likes on this podcast, just you know tag it with like Tool, and apparently there's like eight thousand videos on YouTube, all with like over a million views of like Tool reaction <laughs> video, and it's just somebody making faces while listening to a Tool song, and people uh, eat that up. So yeah, 
Yeah, we'll work that into the algorithm. Yeah, exactly. Um, do you listen to music when you run? I do not. No, I, I just like, I for me, I feel like, one, I have to focus on music when I'm listening to it. And it's like taking me out of the run. And like, while it, like, if I was listening to music, I almost feel like for me, it would be a crush. Like I would be forcing myself to go running at that point. And it's like, all right, put on the tunes and just bust out the mileage type of thing. Um, so maybe I'm a little bit of an idealist in that way because I think actually probably music would help me sometimes, but, uh, I don't, unless it's like, you know, 2 AM in the morning and, um, I'm on some like epic run and something bad has happened and we're just trying to like get through it. Then it's like, all right, turn on the music and let's just bust it out. Get back to the trailhead. Yeah. I think I would like to get to a point where I used, um, music more like caffeine. Like it's just kind of like, all right, it'll give me a boost. Yeah. Cause I, when I'm running by myself, I'll almost always run with headphones in. Although, I think earlier this year I got uh, a pair of like shocks headphones, mm-hmm. which are nice mm-hmm. because they are not in ear ed- headphones. So you can like kind of still hear ambient noise um, because they like work through like bone conduction yep. and the audio audio quality is actually pretty good. But yeah, I'll, I'll turn on like a podcast. Uh, not, not this podcast, other <laughs> podcast <laughs> just uh, to kind of distract myself. Yeah. I don't know. I think like, There'd be something wrong with me if I just listened to myself (laughs) (laughs) talk for hours while like out on a run. No, you'd just be that dedicated to work and micro. This is all highly calculated, these podcasts right here. Every single cadence of of every sentence. (laughs) Yeah. To kind of like answer my own question, because I don't know if I've shared this before on this platform, but like some of my earliest memories of like falling into trail running uh, were, <laughs> were because of like, <laughs> I no longer wanted to like wait in line to get like a wilderness permit to like go on a, a fast packing trip. Um, I grew up kind of getting into ultralight backpacking before it was like super, super mainstream in like the early two thousands. Um, where did you grow up? I grew up in San Francisco. So I, I would go with my dad to the Sierra uh, and do, you know, two to three night loops, um, over like 40 to 50 miles or something like that. Uh, and then when I got to college, I went to Whitman college, which like CC has a pretty like robust outdoor program. Um, I, yeah, was like exploring around there and learned that, yeah, similar to the laws in like California, you need like an overnight permit, um, in order to spend the night, uh, out in the backcountry. And I was like, well, that sucks. Like, I don't want to have to go to like a ranger station. Like oftentimes the quotas are filled. So I was like, well, I think I can do this like 40 mile loop in like a a day. And that way I'll be able to like sleep in my car. So that kind of, you know, got me, got me into that scene. I started doing a bit more research and like learned of like Killian and what people were doing. Uh, And since then I have kind of been hooked. Um, San Francisco and the Bay Area has also been kind of like a hotbed for trail running for a while. It's just like endless some endless miles of trails that are like accessible year round and there's like a really strong community here. So I think that's helped kind of like just grow my passion for the sport. But I wanted to hear your take on on racing. 
Uh, do you have any interest in ever like running a race? Oh man, I maybe. I mean, a lot of my friends, my my running partners, uh, are into ultras, um, hundred milers, and they want me to all try one out. And I I would really love to, but it's it's kind of, just kind of goes against like the reason that I like running in a way. But, um, you know, sometimes it's just, I think, important to just, like, try something and see what happens, regardless of what I think it may or may not be about. And, um, I don't know, I have this friend here in Crested Butte, Dana, who um, recommended that I run, like, 100 miles because it's essentially just, like, a, like a sponsored picnic. You know, you run a little bit, you stop at an aid station, you eat, you yuck it up with some people, and then you keep going, and... When you phrase it like that, it sounds pretty appealing. So, yeah, I think that's uh, in line with that. And Trayson quote, and Trayson has won Western States, I think like 14 times or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she reduced hundred mile races down to like, essentially they're, they're an eating contest with like a little bit of running. Um, and I've yet to run a hundred miles, but I've been around quite a few and, and that, that definitely uh, seems seems to reflect what I've seen. Um, I think too, that like I, I share a similar perspective. Like I'm not someone that's like super competitive. And if I'm going to run 30 miles or like a 50 K, I want to kind of do it on my own terms and have like a more unique experience than running like a, a preset course that hundreds of other people are running. But I will say that like running a hundred miles is cool. Cause you can't do that without like support most of the time you know yeah and i think there's like something about that that is like really inspiring that is true Uh, i went on like a i think it was like a 95 mile fast packing trip last last summer and yeah i like took me forever just had to carry all my own stuff so like the convenience of having (laughs) you know a dozen aid stations with m&ms and and like coffee and like bacon at your disposal is nice. Oh yeah. Okay. So that, that makes me wonder, cause this is something that I always struggle with. What is your for self-supported longer fast packing or running excursions? What is, what is your, uh, what's your food? What's your smorgasbord that you pack with you? Because every year that I, that I run and spend time in the mountains, I can stomach less and less of the trail food on the market. Yeah, uh, that's a really good question. Um, I think to use the 95 mile like fast packing trip from last summer as an example, my friend Olivia, who's been on this podcast uh, that I I went with, um, she she's from Wisconsin, so she loves cheese. So we had tons of cheese. (laughs) Uh, We made these like, salami cheese wraps that hit the spot because i like you i am so burnt out on most of the engineer nutrition um, especially from hiking the pct in 2018 i just like can't really look at some of that stuff (laughs) so i tend to go with like real food and especially like calorically dense food Um, that's something that i also learned on trail was just to like be as efficient as you can so i remember going into resupply uh, for the PCT in, I don't know, small 
mountain towns and going into like a Safeway or something and just scouring every aisle for the most like calorically dense food. Um, just because I like didn't have a ton of, of room to carry fibrous vegetables and stuff <laughs> that like won't do you any good out there. Yeah. So it involved a lot of peanut butter and, and nut butter and stuff like that. Um, I saw some people just taking like <laughs> jars of like olive oil, which <laughs> I, th- I think would sideline me pretty quick. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, uh, but, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I think oftentimes people overdo it with sugar and they always just rely on like, like packaged food, like bars and stuff. So having like a mix of something savory and sweet goes a long way. Um, like beef jerky is, is also great. If you eat meat, just because it gives you a lot of salt and protein, um, that'll help sustain you. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I, it also like runs like that. Give me an excuse to just like pig out on stuff. I don't really eat like outside of, of training. So I'll get like pop tarts and like Oreos and just like the like the vilest candy because <laughs> uh, like music it's kind of like an incentive right it's like oh yeah i'm gonna have like a reese's peanut butter cup again like again like an hour and i can look forward to that yeah so that'll help like get me there oh, yeah. what about you i'm always trying uh new bars and you know goos tastes like armpit putty to me they're disgusting i can't really stomach them at all but they're really effective so i always bring a little bit of those um trail mix actually like is like so like boy scout 1960s but like gorp really does it for me actually um but yeah there are there there have been many runs that i've gone on where i've just like you know, camped overnight in my car with somebody that I'm running with or something or in the parking lot. And it's like, Oh, I knew we forgot something in this like intense planning of this long all day run. We're going, it's like, Oh yeah, we should have gotten like more food or like real food. And it's like, whatever in the car is there is we just ate. So I think one time it was like some stale goldfish. And like, I think I ate something like 12, like little Debbie's ding dongs over like a 40 mile run or something. And for some reason that like really worked really well. I felt great all day afterwards. I felt terrible, but, um, yeah, yeah, nothing, nothing crazy in my, in my, um, in my running food, uh, scheme. Although somebody was recently telling me about Martin gels. Have you heard of those? Oh yeah. 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 Those are kind of, uh, (laughs) supposed to be supposed to be like top notch in terms of like you know, all the like Oops. nutritional science and stuff. Yeah. Um, they're just like, this gets back to something that, uh, yeah, I find kind of problematic about trying to like figure out what to eat on a long trail run is that like you can spend a lot of money on engineered food. Like I think a Martin gel costs like 350 a pop for like 100 calories. And that's just not, not efficient. Um, so I've gotten into instead of getting like goose or whatever, what have you just going into like my local corner store and loading up on like, I don't know. Generic brand gummy Twi- bears. Yeah. Like Twizzlers and stuff. Cause <laughs> at the same day, it's at the end of the day, it's like, it's sugar. Yeah. It'll help fuel you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've also gotten in the habit of bringing frozen burritos with me. Just those like ones you can get from like a gas station Yeah, and just letting them like thaw out as I go. Um, I had I had one really bad experience with the with the burrito on a on a long trail run, and uh, I don't think I can do the frozen burrito anymore, unfortunately. 
What happened? I mean, don't be too graphic, but just some GI issues. Yeah. Okay. So this was actually one of uh, my, this was the first ultra I had ever run ultra distance I had ever run. I don't, before that, I don't think I had ever run more than like 10 miles. And my friend was like, yeah, let's just go do the four pass loop. It's kind of in between here and Aspen. This is probably uh, four or five years ago. I didn't understand at that point that running was like you had said before, like the eating and drinking competition. And so it's just like going along a couple hours in the way the run is structured is like you have this long section of downhill. So you feel really good, but you're running for a really long time. And then there's just like the nasty uphill afterwards. And it was a big snow season. So it made this run longer. I think it was total like 40 miles and like 12 K of climbing or something. Um, all on trail um but yeah i just brought this burrito and it was wrapped in foil and i and i put it in a ziploc bag and i spent most of that run bonking actually (laughs) like the majority of those miles bonking and my friend just like force feeding me food and uh and then i remembered because like my pack was stuff full of stuff and then i remembered like through this like bonk haze um that there was a burrito in the bottom there somewhere and i pulled it out and it was just like moily and like sweating and like the it had congealed like the tortilla and everything and i just was like you know tried to eat it and just like barfed and and then but i knew i had to eat it so i just kept eating it and barfing and eating and barfing and you know at a certain point my hands were just like covered in just like you know mashed potato consistency (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah You just like need to eat that burrito with like a spoon or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, just, I just remember the consistency. And so, you know, unfortunately I think burritos are off the, off the table for me for a while in terms of running food. So I was reminded of a certain, uh, cuisine that I, I ate pretty frequently on the PCT and has, have since tried to try to take with me on uh like fast packing trips and like super super long runs um where i can kind of stomach more real food it's called the ramen bomb have you heard of that uh no (laughs) go on (laughs) so it's yeah it's like a a cup of ramen like the the like you know cup of noodle thing uh, right cup of noodle thing yeah you get one of those you like you have to i guess you have to have like hot water and stuff but uh, you boil one of those up and then you dump a packet of Idahoan instant mashed potatoes in mm-hmm. <laughs> and like stir it into a slurry. But I think one packet of those or like that combination costs under like five bucks and I think has like, I want to say like 1500 calories in it. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> and it's like, it's all super light. Uh, so that's been uh, a staple for me that I would, I would highly recommend. Um, you would I'm, highly I'm remind- recommend. <laughs> well, you know, I think that like hunger is the best spice, right? Yeah. So if you're hungry enough, it tastes pretty good. Uh, I have definitely tried eating it like in the front country when I'm not exerting myself and uh, have recoiled pretty instantly. <laughs> so maybe like keep it to when you're like desperate and you need just a big like calorie dump. Okay. <laughs> Uh, your recommendation michelin three stars yeah yeah would recommend to a friend um (laughs) before we get out of here uh i wanted to ask you about whether or not you had any like running goals i know you've been kind of using it as like an off-season practice uh but that doesn't mean that you can't have like aspirations 
Um, and I know you're not like super competitive, but um, do you have any kind of ambitions? Um, yeah, I would actually like to hit the hundred mile mark of running um, at some point in the near future because it's just a number that's been for better or worse, dangling over my head, it feels like, for a couple of years. It just people talk about it all the time now. And so I just want to clear my mind of it, <laughs> kind of. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I have some specific things that I'd like to do around here. I want to do the Elks Traverse, which is um, summoning, I think it's all seven 14ers in the uh, uh, Elks range of Colorado. It's kind of in between here, uh, Crested Butte and Aspen. And there's like... 30,000 feet of climbing. I think it's like 60 miles or something. A lot of off trail stuff. There's some class five in there, but there's a lot of running as well. Um, And you're just, I think pretty much the entire time you're above like 11,000 feet. And I just think that sounds so cool. And then yeah, that's rad. Uh, in a couple of weeks, I'm trying to put down a, a a line on the on this Taylor Park skyline area. It's between here and Slida. Like it's not quite part of the famous Nolan's 14, um, which is you know summoning 14 14ers around the Slida area in Colorado. But uh, there's these sub peaks around it, and um, it's all it's all above 13,000 feet. It's about 40 miles above 13,000 feet. And a lot of it, it's just this wide, like ridgeline highway of just like class one and class two kind of scree and mountain meadow running. And there's definitely some, uh, like exposed scrambling within that 40 miles, but, uh, I'm not really sure there's no information on it, but, um, yeah, I'm going to be doing that in the next couple of weeks. That's been a big goal of mine that I've had to like scout out in, in sections over the past two years to make sure that they're all doable and make sure there's, bail roots off of stuff and um yeah for the foreseeable future that's just kind of those are my goals what about you you've got a you've got a fastbacking thing coming up right the high route maybe yeah yeah uh so first like like you i i do want to run 100 miles at some point i just think it's like aesthetically for whatever reason like so cool to say that you've done that uh, which is funny because in Europe they like there is no like hundred mile races. It's all like 117 kilometers. And <laughs> makes it less. It it makes it less appealing when you say it's right. 117. <laughs> right, but I want that belt buckle just to wear to a bar and be like, yeah, 117 like, kilometer buckle. <laughs> Not that one. Hundred mile. Big old belt buckle. Walking into a bar, into a saloon. Mm-hmm. They got a lot um, of those in San Francisco <laughs> saloons. Well. <laughs> you know themed saloons you know where to look. yeah uh but yeah this summer i would like to get out to the sierra at least once um before the snow comes or before you know wildfires break out and do this loop called the evolution loop which is kind of like near bishop i think it's like 36 miles with like 10k avert um, mostly on trail, mostly on the, on the John Muir trail. Um, but it's just kind of like something that I've been eyeballing for a while and seems like within my wheelhouse right now. And then I don't know if I'll be able to do it this summer, but hopefully next summer I'll be able to give the Sierra high route a crack, uh, which is an off trail route that kind of parallels the John Muir trail. It's about 200 
10 miles long. Uh, and I say off trail, but it's, it's so popular that it's like there's GPX files for it and doesn't take a ton of like really hairy route finding. It's kind of just like, it's all above tree line. So it's like, all right, I got to go over that path today. Like which line do I take over this talus field? Um, but that's, that's on my bucket list. Uh, just, I, I love that area. It's kind of where I cut my teeth in the backcountry, So it, that would mean a lot for you is stuff like that, uh, more enjoyable in the moment or is it, uh, after the fact? Uh, I think like the longer stuff can be both, but, uh, taking my like experience through hiking as an example, um, it's definitely something that kind of ages really well. Like I think about my time on the PCT almost every day, uh, I'll get like flashbacks to it. Um, so in that sense, yeah, I think it's more of like, I don't want to say complete like type two fun, but, uh, for whatever reason, like my brain has a way of like remembering it, uh, in it's like lightest moments. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Yeah. Well, good luck with those, man. I mean, it, I mean, we've been fairly lucky with the wildfires this year that you brought up. So hopefully that continues. <laughs> yeah. Have yeah, you guys, yeah, seriously. have you guys been getting the, been getting a lot of rain here we've we've had so much rain this summer which is a good thing and i can't be selfish about complaining about that but um it's been hard to be in the outline it's been been super dry in kind of northern california for a while but i saw that uh death valley got like all the rain all like a thousand years worth of rain in like three hours (laughs) and like it's like flooding down there wow okay (laughs) yeah so I don't know. That bodes well. Yeah. We'll see. <laughs> All right. Should we get out of here? Yeah, let's do it. Cool. Thanks, Drew. Yeah, thank you. Good talking to you. That's it for this edition of Off the Couch. Thanks to Drew for the conversation. Thanks to Justin Bob for producing this episode. And from everyone here at Blister, please take good care of yourself. Keep moving forward. And we'll talk to you again next week.